It's good to join with you today, and I hope that you're encouraged and equipped for these days by the time that we'll share together this morning. Let's read together from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. This is God's word. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder how you cope with waiting. How do you cope as you eagerly await the arrival of that product which you have ordered? How patient are you when you're eagerly anticipating an exciting event that's coming up? How are you with queues or poor Wi-Fi or, or slow repliers or busy traffic and being placed on hold? How do you cope with waiting? My guess is that recently you've had to learn a whole new rhythm to your life and maybe rhythms that don't come naturally to you. Slowing, pausing, staying in, waiting. You see, it isn't natural in an instant society that demands immediate action and instant response. We order food that's fast. We order deliveries that come next day. We send messages that are instant. Most complaints, complaints are about speed rather than quality. Our culture doesn't do waiting well. And last week, we considered the lockdown in John chapter 20, where the disciples were huddled together in a locked room, scared about the present and uncertain about the future. It was the original lockdown situation. And yet, thankfully, they discovered that lockdown was no barrier to Jesus. Strong, sturdy walls and sophisticated locks were no match for a resurrected saviour. He has a way of breaking into locked rooms. Jesus penetrated the walls, appeared in the locked room, and didn't tell them off for their denial or their despair or their desertion. But instead, he offered them words of hope and acceptance. Today, we're considering the next set of instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples within weeks of his resurrection. Instructions to stay and wait. In verse four of Acts chapter one, we see Jesus, how Jesus said to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Some of Jesus' final words are much more memorable and quotable and repeatable. Words like, surely I'm with you always, even to the very ends of the age. Words like, you will be my witnesses. Words like, go and make disciples of all nations. These are remembered and they're quoted. But what about this command to stay and wait? If we think it might be hard for us, imagine how difficult it was for these first disciples. Here they were in the very city and among the very rulers who had crucified their leader. Many of these followers had already fled at the first sign of trouble just a few weeks earlier. 
and with the threat of potential follow-up arrests for any of Jesus' disciples, particularly any peddling a story about a resurrection, would any of them want them to be hanging around the city? Yet Jesus tells them not to run to a place of safety or flee to a place of comfort, but instead stay in the city, trust his promises, seek his presence, and wait for his spirit. Stay in the city, trust his promises, seek his presence, wait for his spirit. For me, that feels like a word for today. So let's explore how we can stay and trust and seek and wait. Staying and trusting. Now, why they were to stay stay in the city is not completely clear. Perhaps Jesus wanted them to experience the power of his presence when they were together. While there's no square inch of the world that God's presence cannot invade, there can be little doubt that there is special significance in the gathering of God's people together. It's tough in these days to not be able to gather together. I miss it. We lament it. Let's treasure it and prioritize it when we return. Or maybe Jesus just wanted them to grow in their obedience to him. He gave them a a clear command and he was teaching them to trust him. As they waited for him, they would experience his presence and learn that no matter how strange, God's word can always be trusted. Or perhaps Jesus wanted the outpouring of his spirit on the day of Pentecost to take place in Jerusalem because of the strategic nature of the city. The number of people, the cosmopolitan nature, and the very public impact of his kingdom breaking through in the city. It's what we pray for here, right? But for whatever reason, or maybe all of these reasons combined, the disciples were told to remain in Jerusalem and to trust the promise of Jesus. It's such a simple command, isn't it? Just stay where you are. A simple command, and yet at times difficult to live out. I guess we can smile because we know it so well right now. What do you like at staying and trusting? Not hankering after the next thing or trying to manufacture something for yourself, but simply staying and trusting. Corey Ten Boom, the famous missionary to the Jews, once said, that you don't get off a train when it's in a tunnel. Instead, you trust the driver to bring you through it. So too with God. In a time of uncertainty and anxiety, you can trust the driver to get you through. He is our non-anxious presence in these days. Not our routines, not yoga, not toilet roll, not even Joe Wicks. Our non-anxious presence is Jesus Christ. Our power is the Holy Spirit and we can trust the promises of his word. Locked down within our homes as we try to halt the spread of of an unseen virus, we are assured that Jesus can still permeate locked doors and sturdy walls. Lockdown is no barrier for his presence, his power and his promises. You know, It would be so easy to fill our time and fill this time with all sorts of things. We're told that online engagement and media consumption has gone through the roof. And of course we have time. You and I have time right now to do some valuable things. But in the words of John Tyson, 
Don't mark this moment by the media you consume. Don't miss the opportunity of this moment to pause, to be still, to force myself to do less and simply dwell in the presence of Jesus, to stay and wait. I find, if I'm honest, that I I can be even busier even when I've nowhere to go. And I've come to realize that it's not actually because of my diary or my schedule. It's because of my activist nature causing me to be drawn to activity. I shouldn't miss this moment to pause, to stay, and to trust. Or maybe you're not an activist, but maybe you're a fixer. You know, you see people who need help. You're drawn to problems that you want to fix. And while again, that can be so helpful, you need to acknowledge that you can't fix this. Don't miss this moment to lay down the need to try to fix this. Instead, rest and trust. Jesus wanted them to stay and wait because what he had planned for them on the other side was far greater than what they could ask or imagine. The gift of the Holy Spirit given to them and the power of that Spirit released through them. Stay and trust, he told them. His plans for them on the other side are far greater than what they could imagine. God's plans for you and I are far greater than what we could imagine. As kids, my sister and I were dragged to church every Sunday, not just once, but twice on Sundays. And while the evening service often felt to us like a bit of a bridge too far, there was one activity that kept us entertained week by week. It didn't happen every single Sunday, but occasionally this special feature raised its head. On these occasions, the minister invited people in the congregation to shout out the songs that they wanted to sing. Now, this was the days before PowerPoint projectors or anything like that. And so any number, any song from a book of over 300, the congregation could choose. To me, as a young child, this felt daring and bold. It was like mixing a game of bingo together with a jukebox. And I could feel tension enter the room every time because anything could happen. Most times people went for the safe options, those big hits and the crowd favorites, but I secretly wondered if the musicians could ever be caught out with a song that they didn't know. Surely they didn't know every number in the book. Now I should have said that the musicians were actually my parents, which meant two things. Firstly, I wanted to see them sweat. And secondly, it meant that my sister and I sat in a row at church all by ourselves. Near the front, but away from direct parental control. We were unhinged and dangerously free. And my seven-year-old self had studied the book on many occasions, and I had searched for the most obscure song that I could find. I made my selection long in advance, and I planned and waited for my moment. My choice was simply due to the random nature of the title of a particular song, a song about hearing the sound of rustling leaves and trees, and that sounded ridiculous to my childish brain. One evening, egged on by my sister, and after several near misses, an opportunity arose. A silence fell, and I allowed my little high-pitched voice to break in. Number 274, I declared confidently, secretly delighted that I had finally had control of that jukebox. The congregation murmured at the sound of a new voice and an unfamiliar number thrown into the mix of this worship free-for-all. 
pages swiftly turned, and I hoped it might catch my parents napping. Frustratingly, the moment seemed to pass off without incident, but ever since those days, I have had this random 80s worship song stuck in my mind, and I have never heard it sung at a church since. Until two Sundays ago, when I opened my WhatsApp to find a message that had dropped into one of the groups there from someone who felt this song was relevant for us at this time. And as I sat smirking at the old memories, the awful YouTube clip and the 80s sounding worship music, I was totally caught by the lyrics and felt something rise up within me. I've played that song on almost a daily basis since. And these are some of the lyrics. I hear the sound of rustling in the leaves of the trees. The spirit of the Lord has come down on the earth. The church that seemed in slumber has now risen from its knees and dry bones are responding with the fruits of new birth. This is now a time for declaration. The word will go to all men everywhere. The church is here for healing of the nations. Behold the day of Jesus drawing near. My tongue will be the pen of a ready writer. And what the Father gives to me, I sing. I only want to be his breath. I only want to glorify the King. And a later verse for me is even more relevant. And all around the world, the body waits expectantly. The promise of the Father is now ready to fall. The watchmen on the tower exhort us to prepare and the church responds a people who will answer the call. And this is not a phase which is passing. It's the start of a new age to come. I only want to be his breath. I only want to glorify the King. For the record, I know Ross Martin has been trying to claim that East Belfast is better than North Belfast and he's wrong but I will concede the fact that this song was written by a man from the East. But do you hear it? Do you hear that sound? Do you hear the sound of rustling? Can you feel it? Stay in the city, trust his promises. Perhaps that's a word for central in general, or perhaps it's just a word for you. Stay and trust. But secondly, seek his presence and wait for his spirit. Someone asked me this week, how long would you be willing to be in lockdown if you knew there would be a fresh release of the Holy Spirit at the end of it? Being honest, I find waiting frustrating, but waiting is not a diversion nor a distraction. It's not accidental. It's not even an alternative. This is not dead time. It's about active waiting. Refreshment can be found. Creativity can be cultivated and it can rise up and spring forth. It's so important to wait on God, but it's also important to anticipate his working in our lives, to look for it and to seek it. And while we might want particular circumstances to pass much sooner, we can still trust God within those circumstances, coronavirus or not. To wait on God is to entrust all of our lives to him, both our present and also our future. To wait on God is more of a daily choice than a one-time decision. And Richard Hendricks writes this, second only to suffering, waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness, maturity, and genuine spirituality most of us ever encounter. As we wait, 
we can be taught. As we wait, we're taught about reliance on God rather than self. As we wait, we are reminded of his faithfulness and his timing. As we wait, we are shown the reliability of God's promises. As we wait, we are taught about endurance and commitment. As we wait, we are reminded that his ways are higher than our ways. As we wait, we have our character shaped and molded. As we wait, we are trained in godliness and maturity. As we wait, we are taught. In the movie, Evan Almighty, Morgan Freeman, who obviously plays God, says this. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prayed for courage, does God give him courage? Or does he give him the opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for their family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? As we walk with God and wait for him in any area of our life, he provides us with opportunities to grow in our understanding, our attitudes, our characters, and most of all, our Christ-likeness. You know, sometimes we can wait for Jesus, but not be that expectant. We might look for dramatic signs, yet miss the ordinary moments. We can ask for his directions, but ignore his daily promptings. We can pray that God would speak to us, yet our Bibles remain closed. We can plead for him to use us, yet neglect regular opportunities that come our way. Of course, there are trivial moments of waiting in our lives, like cues and replies and delays. And in those moments, we all need to develop patience. But there's also the significant waiting in our lives, the waiting of a childless couple for a child, the waiting of a single person for marriage, the waiting of the chronically ill for health or death, the waiting of the emotionally scarred for peace, the waiting of those contending for breakthrough, the waiting of students to find a career or the lonely to belong, the waiting for this all to be over. While there are no easy answers, I wonder if waiting can be our greatest teacher. What Joseph learned in the prison, he later used in the palace. In the waiting, God works on our hearts and in the waiting, we can learn to worship. You know, waiting has little to do with length and everything to do with hope. But waiting is really asking, God, can I trust you? I love the words of the song, Sovereign Over Us. It says this, you are working in our waiting, sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. Faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. In the waiting, you can trust him because he is still good. So amidst the doubt, the difficulty, or the darkness, know that his promises remain true. In these days, seek his presence afresh and trust his promises in you. Stay and trust, seek and wait. And as I finish this morning, I just wanted to speak some of God's promises over you as you sat, sit in your homes right now. And as I do, I want to encourage you to listen to them carefully, to let them sink into your mind, but more than that, to flow 
and travel into your heart as you trust in Jesus today and hold on to his faithfulness for tomorrow. So four promises of God to finish. And why don't we do this in a spirit of reflection and prayer? Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isaiah 40. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And Paul writes to the Romans, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And finally, Jesus said, And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen.